Welcome, everybody, to episode 27 of the Sock Takes Pod. I am your host, Kevin Johnston, KJ. Alongside me, as always, is the sweetest of babies that you will find, Mr. Aaron Gunyon. How's it going, Aaron? Kevin, it's going really well. KJ, I mean, it's going really well. Uh, U.S. men's national team victory in the Gold Cup. I don't care what time it is. I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely, and that is what we will be primarily talking about today is the USA's 2-1 to victory in the Gold Cup final over Jamaica. It was live from Levi's Stadium. We'll talk about the quality of the pitch here in a minute. but And we're also joined by a very special guest tonight. It is a good friend of mine and a phenomenal writer. He is with The Big Lead. It's my good buddy, Ryan Phillips. Ryan, how you doing, brother? Uh, great, Kevin. Just always happy to be uh, to be on something with you. We used to do a lot of a lot of uh, podcasts, or I mean, a lot of uh, live blogs together. So this is a new medium for us to to venture into. Absolutely. Um, so before we jump right into recapping this Gold Cup final, Ryan, uh, why don't you just tell us um, a little about a little bit about yourself and your history in the game? I know, just uh, as a very general thing. Um, the Mr. Obvious answer is, well, it's because you're kind of like me. You follow literally every sport under the sun. You're one of the most knowledge, knowledgeable sports people I know. So um, what specifically about soccer, though? When did you get sucked in and fall in love with the beautiful game? Well, I, from a real young age, I grew up in Southern California and the game is just everywhere here. I don't know anybody who didn't play youth soccer growing up here. And so I played forever. Uh, I actually going into high school had to choose between soccer and basketball because they're the same season here. And I chose basketball, which given the fact that I was a six, three white guy, I probably should have gone another direction, but you know, it's, you know, we make those decisions, but, uh, I, I, I've just have always loved the game. I've always been uh, passionate about it. I I think that like most people around my age, the 94 World Cup really solidified me as somebody who followed the game internationally. Um, you know, it being on U.S. soil, I watched all those games as much as I could, absorbed as much as I could. And it was it was certainly different and new uh, for me. Um, but I, I've always loved soccer. I've always thought it was just a just a, a great game. And uh, we we also in San Diego had indoor soccer, uh, a professional indoor soccer team that was one of the best ever. The San Diego Soccers. Uh, they won like five championships in a row. So my family would go to those games all the time and stuff. So uh, I've always been very plugged into soccer and always uh, love the game. And, of course, you've helped me um, personally in many ways to kind of develop my journalism career. Uh, back before I really had any experiments, any experience at all, you know, I couldn't even I probably couldn't even abide by AP format back in those days. So, um but, yeah, Ryan, a while ago, founded um, a blog called Rumors and Rants. And there were a bunch of really good writers. I believe everyone there went to IU, I think, if I recall. Maybe later on, some other people joined. But primarily all people that attended IU at some point or another. And it was just a great crop of writers. I learned so much um, being on that staff. And I cannot thank you enough for some of the doors you've opened for me. Um, but anyway, since then, you have moved on to a few different places. I know briefly you were an NFL contributor um, at Bleacher Report and since then have moved on to the big lead. So can you tell us kind of how you came to the big lead and what your role is there? Well, I, yeah, I, I, I worked for about two years at Bleacher Report, um, then left and kind of freelanced a little bit and then wound up at the big lead, uh, just 
you know, through connections, I, I knew, uh, Jason, the, uh, the guy who owns and, and runs the site and, and, uh, they had an opening and he just pitched it to me. It was really not an exciting story of how I wound up there. It just kind of was a, uh, one of those things where, you know, the right person and get asked to do it. And, uh, primarily at the big lead, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. Uh, I cover pretty much everything and, uh, I I've been trying to do more soccer stuff. Actually today we released our, uh, uh, look at the 10 to coincide with the gold cup final released our 10 best, uh, soccer players in the world, uh, post, uh, that we've been working on for a while. Um, you know, so I, I'm trying to do more soccer stuff, but primarily, you know, anything from NBA, college basketball, NFL, uh, baseball, when the, uh, the need arises. And then also we're doing daily videos over there, uh, that you guys can follow us on Twitter, just the big lead on Twitter, uh, daily around, uh, one o'clock Eastern. We, we do videos just discussing some of the biggest sports stories of the day. And I host those along with, uh, one of my fellow writers at the site. Excellent. So let's drill right into this, this United States 2-1 victory in the Gold Cup final over Jamaica. Let's get started with some unfortunate news uh, we have to pass along. Um, if, you, if you didn't watch the game or if you haven't been following the, the whole Gold Cup tournament, probably the MVP of the entire tournament, not even just on Jamaica, but of all teams in the Gold Cup, is probably Andre Blake, the goalkeeper for Jamaica. Of course, he plays in MLS for the Philadelphia Union, is a standout goalkeeper there, and he has probably been the biggest difference maker uh, of any player in this entire Gold Cup. So very early in the match, can't remember the minute, but I believe it was even before the 20th minute, and uh, he went down. 19th minute, thank you, Aaron. And he went down with what looked like a hand or finger injury. And the slow motion replay looked like he took a, a, a kick, a really hard kick to the finger, possibly with a, a, a follow through that um, the cleat might have scraped as well. Uh, Ryan, it looked like you it sounds like you have a, um, a good look at a close up photo after the match. So uh, what did the injury look like to you? Yeah, it looked like it's his right hand and, and somebody has a picture up online and it looks like, you know, there might even be a bone popping out on his index finger. The injury is definitely to his index finger um, and and it looks like it could be a compound fracture and, and may have broken the skin. I You know, it's hard to tell uh, because it's a, you know, it's a GIF online, but it's uh, it's really bad. And, and it's really sad. As you said, the guy was probably the MVP of the tournament. Um, they just awarded the golden ball to, to Michael Bradley, but they gave the golden glove award to Andre Blake. And I think everybody agreed that he deserved that. And quite frankly, at Jamaica, had he finished the match, even if Jamaica lost, I, I think that he would have uh, been a really big contender for for the for the MVP. So, um, yeah, I uh, it was really sad to see. I mean, even even rooting for the U.S., you never want to see anybody get injured like that. And and it was it looked real bad. I mean, you know, as soon as he went down, everybody was was pointing to the sidelines for the trainers, and uh, he, you knew immediately he wasn't going to be able to continue. So not only did Jamaica lose their most impactful player early in the match, but of course it also forced them to burn a sub. Now, you know, you only have two subs remaining in a match where you're also looking at potential extra time. So Jamaica had their backs against the wall, um, but in comes the backup goalkeeper, Dwayne Miller. Um, Sweet baby, what did you think of Miller's performance? First of all, it's a tough ask for anybody to come in off the bench at that stage of the game 
you're not expecting to play, let alone sub in, in the 19th minute. Dwayne Miller came in, might have been a little cold, and it it could have shown a little bit. Altidore had a wicked free kick that bent in, and uh, Miller got a piece of it. Maybe if he'd had a little bit more time, he would have he would have gotten a clean hit on the ball. But for the rest of the game, I thought Dwayne Miller played very admirably given the circumstances. I mean, he's not a rookie, a 30-year-old coming in, and I believe he would have had the start uh, in an earlier tournament is what they said on, on the television broadcast. So Dwayne Miller comes in. He doesn't have a whole lot of time. He does give up a goal on a free kick, but Altador did have some wicked spin on it. And and did, you know, admirably, I think, for the rest of the game. I concur with that assessment. I feel like I know the FS1 commentators said, oh, he could have had that. And I saw some people on Twitter say the same thing. But uh, Altidore put a lot of bend on that ball. It was also kind of dipping. It was lowering under the bar. He got a fingertip on it. You know, Blake, he probably makes that save, but I'm not certain. But I still don't. yeah, it's speculation, right? I mean, yeah. how can you say who would have made that save? The way Altidore hit that uh, to the inside of the wall, any goalkeeper is going to be anticipating a different trajectory on that ball. But what happened was it went inside of the wall and then went back outside toward the toward the uh, far corner. I, like Miller got his fingertips on it, so it's not like he was completely stumped. He just had a, a slight hesitation. The ball wasn't necessarily perfect, but it did it did have a ton of pace on it and some nasty curve. It was like a slider. You know, it was like a major league baseball slider <laughs> coming out of there. And you know what? Those those curveballs and things make batters look stupid from time to time. And I think I think Miller might have been a victim and a little bit of a scapegoat there. Yeah, I think you gotta give Altador credit, you know, on that one. I mean, yeah, it's you know, look, it's always hard being a cold it, it, it's hard for anybody to come into the game in the 23rd minute, I think was the official time he was subbed on. You know, it's hard for anybody, any you know, outfield position or goalie to come in. It's particularly hard for a goalie. You're not expecting to play. I mean, that's, it's not a, it's not a yeah. position you are expected to be subbed in. He was, you know, expecting to be sitting there and have the best seat in the house for the rest of the night, uh, comes in and, you know, fairly quickly, 20 minutes later, he's got uh, a, a really well, struck free kick coming at him and you know i mean it, it happens but i don't think you can just strictly fault him i think that part of it is the situation he's in on top of the fact that josie altador hit a really great free kick and and let's add to that by saying that josie altador had an amazing shot earlier in the game in the 19th minute which led to the acosta rebound which broke Andre Blake's fingers. So it's not like Altador wasn't on his game tonight. He absolutely was, and within a matter of minutes, had two solid strikes on the frame. Uh, definitely a good showing for Josie tonight, especially early on. Maybe in the second half, he didn't. He wasn't as flashy, but two solid strikes that caused havoc for the Jamaican for the Jamaican side tonight. Altidore is the man of the match for me. I've got to say it. I thought he sh- he put on a complete performance. Um, it wasn't just the goal. It, it was his hold-up play, um, his physicality. He was causing disruptions. I know 
Um, even on like a corner kick, the referee had to run 30 yards over just because he had kind of stirred up some drama right there on the goal line. Um, so I thought he was, Oh, the you most like impact. that. I love the drama. So <laughs> I definitely, I, I definitely thought Josie was, uh, the man of the match for me for the USA, but there were, there were several guys close on his heels and I'll tell you what, um, it, if you looked at the second half only, it was hard for me to pick a man of the match. Cause I thought the whole team just looked phenomenal. In the first half, it was almost hard to pick uh, who the better team was, uh, which is kind of ironic because, you know, the U.S. got the goal in the first half and then gave up the early goal in the second half to Jamaica. But really, it was the second half when the USA started to assert themselves and say, hey, you know what? We are the better team. We're going to come at you. We see that you're kind of bunkering down, uh, you know, sagging in the middle. So we're going to play the ball out wide. And I thought when the USA finally realized that they kind of unlocked the defense that way by playing the ball out wide. Um, Viafana, Viafania was particularly impactful, I thought, up the left flank. He put in a very good performance. I also was impressed by Paul Ariola on the, on the right flank. I thought he uh, played incredibly well, too. So, yeah. um, Ryan, who, who else, uh, besides Josie that we just talked about, who else were some standout performers to you for the USA? Well, I thought that that Josie was. I I would probably go with you with Josie as the man of the match uh, if I had to pick. Um, I, I but I thought it was a few guys who played really well. Uh, I thought Clint Dempsey did a great job in the in the second half when he came in, just sort of settling things down because it it had started to go up and down a lot. Uh, and the U.S. didn't want that. The U.S. wanted to overwhelm with possession and then send balls into the middle. Um, I thought Brad, Michael Bradley did a nice job in the middle. I mean, when he's doing when he's doing an understated job. Um, and you're not hearing about him much, it means he's not making mistakes. And that's something, you know, for about three years in there, it, it was, you know, you heard a lot of complaints about Bradley performances. And I thought over the last couple months with Bruce Arena, he's really started to turn in some really good performances. Um, and I also like what Darlington Nagby did, especially in the first half. I thought he was making uh, some things happen on the ball um, when perhaps a few other guys were tight and maybe a little uh, not, you know, getting into the flow of the game. He's a guy who who is so dangerous on the ball and just doesn't lose possession that it opened up a few things for, for his teammates. Obviously he still needs to get, you know, get uh, his finishing together in the final third. And um, it it is kind of sad because I, I, in the first half specifically, and then the early part of the second half, all I could think of was how many goals Christian Pulisic would have created against this defense because the the U (laughs) S was just having trouble breaking through. And you're thinking, gosh, if they just had that one guy who could, you know, make some things happen. But I thought Nagby did a nice job uh, uh, in the, in the, uh, first half specifically, and then a little bit in the second half, just sort of making things happen out of nothing because Jamaica was basically putting everybody behind the ball and, and, and packing it in. Aaron was Josie, the man of the match for you. And who were some other standout performers in your opinion? Yeah, I liked Josie. As I mentioned, he is responsible for a tremendous amount of output on the offensive end, a player in the second half that I caught, or that caught my attention was Graham Zusi. And he's not a player that I was expecting, but his role changed definitely in the last, let's say, 25 minutes of the match. You found him up much further and drifting much more inside and being a link-up player for a lot of other connections to players like Ariola and others in the center. So... Graham Zussi, kind of an underappreciated role, just kind of like Bradley. I agree with 
all of Ryan's points about Bradley. Listen, he's a guy who's pretty consistent, and sometimes I think he gets a bad rap for for having to carry the burden of possession for a team that sometimes can't do it. The U.S. men's national team tonight had 73% possession. I think you can attribute a lot of that to Michael Bradley and other players like Darlington Nagby and uh, Kellen Acosta, who I thought played a terrific match, truthfully. Um, when when the balls go in the back of the net and, and the team that you're cheering for ends up with the victory, it's hard to, to pick on players. So trying to find somebody that I'm I'm – unhappy with is a difficulty right now but when you look at a you know usa out shooting 13 to 6 shots on target 8 to 3 it, it felt like a complete performance except defensively and i think that that's that's where you can pick on this u.s team is defensively they still have breakdowns and and i understand jordan morris lightly lost his mark on a corner kick and and it was a excellent finish from Jamaica, but there were other defensive miscues and for as much possession and as much as many shots and opportunities as USA had, they still allowed Jamaica a few opportunities to either tie it or go ahead. And I thought that was um I thought that was interesting for, for the thorough domination for Jamaica to still actually be in the match. You know what you know what's amazing is we're fifteen to what twenty minutes into this, uh, probably about fifteen minutes into this, and that was the first mention of Jordan Morris, the guy who scored the winning goal. You know, Ooh, I mean, you know, I've heard of him, that, Jay that's, Smooth. That's kind of it's kind of amazing. I mean, I I agree that Morris lost his man on that play, and uh, that's certainly a black mark against him. But I actually thought he played really well the rest of the match, and I do and, too. Um, you know, and so it, it is a shame that that sort of marked against him. I mean, had the had the match ended. Uh, in you know, in, in in penalty kicks or something, had he not scored that goal, most people are probably remembering it as a negative because he gave up that gave up that goal. Um, but you know that that finish at the end is one of those. I mean, he was flat-footed and was able to get accuracy and pace on a shot. You know, in the middle of the box through traffic into the back of the net. That's a great goal for a 22-year-old. And I think that in this tournament, he's sort of proven himself as a guy who can who can certainly help the national team um, at the very worst off the bench with his pace. You know, can 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 change a game and uh, and really open some things up. He's just got to figure out where his position is with this team, and the team's got to figure out where his position is. Uh, and uh, so I thought he played. I thought he played very well. Um, obviously, giving up that goal was was something we're gonna. You know, people are gonna remember. But I, I thought, other than that, he had a real nice match. Oh, absolutely. There was a moment in the second half. I can't remember precisely what it was, but I called it out, and uh, he he had a fifth gear or sixth gear or something, and he blew by a Jamaican of some kind. And I don't know how fast you have to be to run past a Jamaican, but it's pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, I completely That's... agree. The The effort it takes late in the game um, for, I guess it's even more impressive for Morris because he started and would have been fatigued. But another player we haven't talked about yet is Jassy Zardes who who came in and I thought had a very good shift late um he turned the game around um if you missed the game or you know you're living in the dark ages and you're listening to the pod um the the game was 1-1 late in the 90th minute just before stoppage time the actual 90th minute um Zardes burned someone on the right side found a little bit of space and played in a beautiful ball 
I believe Clint Dempsey got a tiny little flick on it, and I think he got the assist on it. I haven't checked the official box score, but a little flick on by Dempsey, and then there was Jordan Morris just kind of sitting there right at the top of the 18-yard box, uh, maybe a little bit inside of it, and sure enough, bam, just slotted it home top quarter, beautiful finish. Um, will probably go down as one of the greatest goals in the history of the Gold Cup. I mean, 90th minute, winner in the final, maybe the best ever, I don't know. Um, but it was it was amazing. Well, we got to watch. a big we got a big Morris fan on the podcast tonight. Uh, I'm standing the guy. Uh, I'm JMO Smooth's number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Listen, yeah. I thought I thought it was a great play by Zardis, and and I thought pretty much everybody who started pushing forward from the U.S. did a good job in attacking and made some pretty good decisions. There was definitely an effort. And uh, the word that Landon Donovan uses in the, the broadcast is turning the screw. You could see Michael Bradley also yelling at his players, firing them up and telling them to push it up and keep playing defense on in the attacking half. There were a lot of players that are doing a lot of things. I would love to credit Clint Dempsey for the assist. I mean, he's a clever guy and he can hit a lot of clever touches that nobody else thinks of. It may have just deflected off of him. It may not. But you know what? He was in the right place at the right time, too and knew to get the hell out of the way. And yet again, by the way, this is um, Dwayne Miller getting a hand to the ball. I'm pretty sure. Did he not get fingertips he on did. that ball? As well? Yeah, he did. So, I mean, he was not getting torched. He just got overpowered by J-Mo Smooth. Yeah, I personally, I would give Miller's performance a solid A. We're going to rename 10. the podcast. We're going to rename the podcast, by the way. The, <laughs> the J-Mo Smooth know. Hour? Yeah. <laughs> and by but the yeah. way, Clint Dempsey coming in super sub and once again, so we, we've now almost talked about every single player and had very few negative things to say. Pretty good. And a few players we haven't talked about to go back really quickly to talk about the back four of the USA. Um, among them, I thought that Viafania by far had the best performance among the back four. Uh, I thought he was incredible. I mean, I don't know how many plays he or how many balls he served in, but it had to have been a ton. He did a ton of damage, just burning people up the left side. But uh, one thing I disagree with, I think, Aaron, it was you that was kind of raving about Zussi. Um I thought he in the first half, he was just kind of eh. Um, in the second half, he played well and he kind of built up some momentum. But I thought maybe in the last uh, five or ten minutes, he kind of regressed a little bit. Um, I remember he had one bad giveaway. There was a, a player on the sideline, kind of like pretty much standing on the touchline. He, he kind of missed him and played a ball out of bounds. Oh, and, yeah, I'll buy that. I, um, I understand what you're saying. And then I someone, get what you're saying. Yeah, and I think, uh, Ryan, you mentioned some of the miscommunications among the back four. I agree with that. Um, the most notable one was certainly when the game was still 1-1 before the Jordan Morris goal. This was probably like 86th, 87th minute. And a Jamaican right winger got in deep and played a ball in. And it, it just goes to show that no matter what level of soccer you're playing at, simple communica- miscommunications like this can happen so easily. And it, it was just the classic case of there's a, a, an attacker and there's one defender three feet to the left, one defender three, three feet to the right. And it's just a, a case of, hey, do you have him? Do you have him? And they both kind of froze up. It was, um, it was Michael Bradley and Zussi. And they both just kind of looked at each other. You got him. You got him. And if you saw the game, that was that moment when Tim Howard just went absolutely apeshit 
uh, was completely furious, and rightfully so. That's what you're supposed to do as a goalkeeper when your guys have a complete mental lapses like that. You got to get on them. So especially at that juncture of the game, that you know at that point it was still one one. So that one mental lapse almost cost the USA the Gold Cup. So I didn't think Zeus, he played phenomenal, but uh, all in all, he had a pretty good second half until the very end. Um, So what did you guys think of, we haven't really talked much about Omar Gonzalez or Matt Beasler. What did you guys think of the performance of the center backs? Well, I thought it was, it was obvious that they had played together before and they've, you know, I mean, those guys have, have been together a lot in the past. Uh, I think they started twice together at the World Cup in 2014. Um, you know, Gonzalez for me is a guy who he's not a high ceiling guy that is going to be a game changer, but he's a big center back who can command in the air and, and can do some things defensively. But you see him get caught out of position every once in a while. He's not a particularly talented, gifted passer out of the back. And, and he's not, you know, he doesn't, he's, he's not one of those guys that brings a whole lot to the table other than his size and, you know, solid defending. He's not going to, going to, really elevate the back four I don't think um, but he's fine in this kind of situation where you have the B team out there he works when you don't have John Brooks you know when you don't have Jeff Cameron he's not a, a you know a huge hole back there um, and as for Beasler, I think that you, you see him you know wax and wane you see him play well and then you see him just have average performances I thought in this tournament he was really up and down um, I thought he was okay tonight uh, they got caught a couple times on counterattacks where I blame the midfielders as much as I blame the defenders because there was such a gap created between the, the, the back four and the midfielders that when Jamaica started running, it could get three guys at full speed running at them. There's not a whole lot they can do except for try and get in the way. And as you said, a couple times Viafania made it back and made a play. So I wasn't super impressed with their performance, but again, when you're considering this is the backup, D pairing for the U.S. That's pretty much what you expect from them. Let's. Turn I think. The... Oh, go ahead. Eric. Oh, go ahead. Well, so I'm just saying the way Jamaica sat back and let the game come to them, it masks a lot of defensive deficiencies. There, there wasn't a tremendous amount of consistent pressure being put on the U.S. defense throughout the night. There were definitely moments of, of pressure that that slashed through and a shout out to Omar Gordon, former Indy 11 midfielder who put in a solid 90 minute shift and did lead, you know, his play did lead directly to some of the more dangerous attacking opportunities. He wasn't the one with the final product, but he was the one setting up others and getting the passes out wide that did create the, the difficulties for the defense. And that was a great segue because I was just going to transition to talk about the Jamaican squad, and I was going to start. I did with that for you, Omar. Um, yeah. If you're confused, who we're talking about, he also goes by O Wayne. I believe that's what they were saying on FS1. But he's a man of many names. I think he also some of his friends call him Turtle. He's got like four nicknames and Omar <laughs> O Wayne. But just go with Gordon. You can't go wrong with Gordon. Um, yeah. But, he was listed as the starter at right midfield. I believe he actually started on the left side. I think I saw him operating yeah. over there. Uh, but he did shift at one point, and I think he saw quite a bit of action on both sides of the field throughout. And I've got to say, Aaron, you and I both, we have to eat a little bit of crow because I think we've kind of – I know you and I in the press box last year in 11 games, we talked 
at length about Omar Gordon. We broke down every facet of his game and whatnot. And to be honest, I think when it's all said and done, we were slightly underrating the guy, to be honest. Um, and the reason for that is one of his biggest weaknesses, which in a second I'll, I'll talk about how ironic this is, but one of his most glaring weaknesses is he's not an elite passer. Um, and that's kind of what caused him to lose his spot last year for Indy 11. He was a regular starter when he first came over on loan from Montego Bay United FC. Um, Hankinson loved the guy, trusted him, played him a lot. But he had one or two really bad passing games in a, in a row where they'd have 2v1 counterattack and he'd, he'd cough up the ball or just a careless turnover in the midfield here and there. But the the ironic thing that I want to talk about his game is I noticed – he was, he's actually taking set pieces for Jamaica now. He, he was taking a few corner kicks and playing balls in on scoring opportunities. And I, I don't believe I've ever made this comment about any player before, but it is the rare case of, because um, I noticed the balls he was playing in throughout the tournament were excellent. And it's just so bizarre because he's, he, he's a great server of the ball when the ball stopped, you know, on a set piece, but from the run of play, he's not a good passer. That's a simple fact. And it's very bizarre. I've never seen another player. I don't think with this trait, but great passer of the ball on set pieces, terrible passer of the ball from the run of, of play. But um, that said, I, during the run of play, I thought his passing was pretty good this tournament. And to make a kind of an NBA crossover comparison, I guess, if you talk about like a guy's first step when they blow by a defender, um, Owen Gordon absolutely has that. Um, he's kind of only a one-trick pony. He'll usually just make a sharp cut inside. He'll just cut and then go. And he's so explosive that, I mean, he's probably one of the best dribblers in all of CONCACAF um, as far as speed on the ball, um, danger, and ability to get behind the defense. And not just tonight, I thought he played well, but throughout the Gold Cup, I thought every single time I saw him, I was impressed. So, Aaron, what did you think about Owain, not just tonight, but throughout the entire tournament? I think you're spot on with your assessment, and thanks for throwing it back to me. That was really good. We got a good segue. We're really working as a team here. We're podcasting it up. <laughs> Listen, Omar was faulted last season with Indy 11 for making poor decisions during the run of play. Like you said, you know, he, he couldn't pick his head up and find the right pass at the right time and make the right decision. I will tell you this tonight when I watched the game, I didn't really see that. I saw him making good weighted passes at the right time. And, and several of them set up other dangerous act attacking opportunities for his, his team. It was unique for me to see him taking corner kicks and other set pieces because that's not a role that I was aware of. But listen, the guy knows how to score. I mean, he has talent. A season and a half ago, he was the golden boot winner in the Red Stripe Premier League in Jamaica. So he has talent. We shouldn't knock him so hard, but we were expecting more of him when he came to Indianapolis. For whatever reason, it didn't show. Maybe it was too much pressure. And it was also the first time he'd lived away outside of Jamaica in his entire life. So there were a lot of things for him to work on. I will tell you, he is a very nice, very humble, humble young man. It was a pleasure to meet him. I thought he had a great tournament, and I thought he played a great game tonight. And let's talk a little bit about some other Jamaican players and how they performed. Of course, this Jamaican team is stocked with players that, if you follow American soccer closely, you're probably familiar with quite a few of their guys. Uh, they got Darren Maddox up top, currently with the Timbers. 
Romario Williams is one of the best players in the USL, if not the best player for the Charleston Battery. And several other guys, uh, Fisher, uh, the left-back Lawrence, Andre Blake, of course, with the Union. Um, I know Javon Watson is with the Revs. And Damian Lowe um, is also in USL with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. So they got a bunch of familiar faces if you watch a lot of American soccer. And I'm curious, Ryan, uh, who else did you think was a standout performer? Um, and also, who did you think maybe didn't perform so well today for Jamaica? Well, I thought Watson, I mean, whatever negatives you would have from him tonight, the, the that goal sort of elevated him in my book. I, I thought that that was just a brilliant finish on the back post. You know, he beat Jordan Morris, as we said. Um, I, I thought the, the defense, uh, Damian Lowe, Liddell Ritchie, uh, Jermaine Taylor, were all sort of, I mean, you could take it or leave it. I thought they did as well as they could, but, you know, they were sort of packed in there just kind of, uh, you know, not really doing much other than getting in the way. And, and, and I thought that, you know, at times they looked like they were a cohesive unit, but it, the strategy to just have them, you know, pack in like that really prevented them from, from standing out at all individually. It was just kind of, uh, it felt like it was just kind of, they were putting eight back there uh, with the, you know, with the wingbacks and midfielders and, and just trying to, to disrupt as much as they could. And you didn't see a whole lot of one-on-one defending. You didn't see a whole lot of team defending. You just sort of saw guys kind of getting in the way of whatever the U S was doing, but not really standing out, not doing a lot of one V one stuff. Um, I did think, as you said, I thought Dwayne Miller was their uh, player of the match though, coming in in the 23rd minute at keeper. And, and really uh, I thought, in a really tough situation played about as well as you could have expected. I thought Kamar Lawrence, their left back, uh, pretty sure he's still with the New York Red Bulls. Um, I thought he had a very good performance. Another player who I thought didn't play so well. And this has kind of been the story with this guy throughout his whole career was, was Darren Maddox up top, the forward. Um, he, he did in fairness, he got whistled offside late when he was not. They showed the replay. He clearly was even or probably even a little bit in front. So, but before a that, missed offside in a CONCACAF event? No, no way. Stop oh, it. Full of it. Picks are good. Breaking out. news. Breaking news. Yeah, so Maddox, even before that, though, unfortunately, he, he got caught offside a little bit. And that's kind of just the story with the guy. Um, he, he shows flashes of brilliance. He's got all that pace. And he's got several good qualities, but he just doesn't consistently bring it. And he'll kind of drift in and out of the game, uh, disappearing here and there. And that's just been the guy's problem throughout his career. That's why you'll see him play. He'll play well. He'll score a goal. And you'll think, like, man, this guy has all the tools, you know, to be a successful attacker. Why isn't he a consistent starter in MLS? And it's just that lack of consistency. He can never quite nail down a permanent starting job and keep it. So I thought, you know, the, the roller coaster that is Darren Maddox, I thought that this was we kind of caught him on the downswing tonight. Aaron, uh, what did you think of Maddox's performance and uh, any other Jamaican players that you'd like to talk about? No, I'm pretty... I'm pretty even on the, the Maddox description that you gave. He was in a few positions. He made the right runs. We talked about the, the time when he was sitting in between two U.S. defenders and a cross came in, and at the last second, you know, Graham Zussi deflects it out of bounds. So Maddox was there, and there was another time he torched Zussi on the far side, 
got around him and he was being ridden pretty hard. And had he gone to ground, you know, who knows what foul might have been called. But instead, he he got some kind of half shot off that went out of bounds. So, yeah, it's it's difficult with the amount of possession that Jamaica had for them to have a lot of standouts. And, you know, as Ryan said, the way they sat back and clogged passing lanes and the way they they played zone, you know, really all night long it didn't lend itself to really pick out star performances. I think we we've nailed it with with Gordon at least as a standout for me offensively and defensively with uh Dwayne Miller. They put up a good fight. You know, Jamaica wasn't going away. They they certainly held their own. I mean, statistically you can call out different things here and there, but as I mentioned before, I don't think they were run off the pitch, and I think that had a, a few bounces gone another way, Jamaica could have had the Gold Cup championship tonight. Before we move on, a final thought I'd like to share on Jamaica. And I, do, I do think that they were a bit tactically foolish in the second half specifically. Like you said, they were in the game, and I even described that moment where it was 1-1 late and there was the miscommunication between Zussi and Bradley. So they easily could have won the game if they snuck one in there and then held off. That's but, what I'm talking about. Maddox uh, was right there at that moment. Yeah, but, you know, you can't always be, like, results-oriented. And when you just look at the possession number, it was over 70% overall. I'm pretty sure I heard that it, second half alone it was over 80%. So I honestly, uh, sometimes to, to counterbalance possession – Believe it or not, you got to sacrifice defense. So I, I thought Jamaica would have been really wise to maybe shift to a back three, at least for a little bit, just to get some possession in the midfield, you know, get somebody up there, win the ball back and get some possession. So um, I thought that would have been a very smart tactical shift by Jamaica just to throw one extra body in the midfield or maybe drop a forward back. But they just didn't do that. They were content to just bunker down and just hope that somehow the USA wouldn't be able to unlock them uh, by funneling the ball out wide. Um, in the end, it didn't work, but it almost worked. So I don't want to be too negative about their game plan. But I thought that, you know, when things aren't looking so hot, even if you're tied, but if the other team's seen 80% of the ball, you know, you kind of got to mix something up. So. Um, before we move on, any final thoughts you guys would like to share about the USA's 2-1 to one victory over Jamaica in the Gold Cup final? Well, I, I'll jump in. I, I thought it was, uh, you know, one thing that was interesting was I didn't think they played particularly well early on in the tournament. And and credit to Bruce Arena, he had the team peaking at the right time, and I thought they put in their, their two best performances in their last, in the final two games. Um, so, I, you know, as critical as a lot of people were about the group stage, and, you know, of course, you add those other guys, it's going to make it better. Um, you know, you add the, the, the regulars into it, it's going to make the team better. But um, I thought that that they really did peak at the right time and, and played really well in the last two matches. And hey, anytime you can hoist a trophy and you're still unbeaten with Arena as the head coach, uh, that that's that's a good sign heading into uh, World Cup qualifying. And that's what this is all about. This had nothing to do with winning this tournament. It had to do with you know putting this uh, this team on the right path towards Russia. Aaron, any final thoughts on USMNT? It's about time they won the Gold Cup, and it gives an opportunity to play in the Confederations Cup again, really. I mean, that's so people knock the Gold Cup because of the competition and the B teams, et cetera, et cetera. 
But I really think that that needs to quiet down and make way for the conversation where this is a play-in tournament for the Confederations Cup, which is a pretty high-caliber tournament. And I believe, if I'm correct, now the, the rules have changed on this once or twice, but this will now allow the United States to play a one-game playoff against the winner of the following year's Gold Cup or the well, so what's this one? So the 2019 Gold Cup, whoever wins that will play a one match playoff versus this match, this Gold Cup. I'm stuttering a lot, but the point is hey, you've got a shot at the Confederations Cup now. So that is important and that is a positive takeaway. And nothing nothing to be, you know, downplaying the the points awarded here. It's a tournament. Everybody's playing to win. Nobody's playing just to show up. There are players on the U.S. team that are trying to earn respect and spots for the World Cup next year. There's a lot at stake here. And when it, when the chips were down, when it came down to it, they did collect themselves. And I think uh, Ryan, and I'm tired of agreeing with this guy, but... <laughs> I know Ryan it's hard. Is, it's hard. <laughs> Ryan is dead on. The, the group stages were a little rough around the edges, but uh, different people were getting different looks. You bring in six of the guys who are A-list players, and that stabilizes things, and the team looked better further on in the tournament. And that's good news for Bruce Arena. That's good news for players like Josie Altador and, and Michael Bradley that, that need that confidence and working together in the national team setting. I wonder, this is a question that I don't want answered because we do need to move on, I think. But I wonder how Clint Dempsey's role evolves, you know, over the course of the next 12 or, or so months working up to the World Cup. What will his role be in the future is kind of the open-ended question I want to leave you guys with. Very good question. Um, to be honest, I think it will be form-based. Um, I don't necessarily expect his role to, to grow anymore if that's possible i guess it's kind of a stupid comment but um i don't think that they're gonna like burden him with any more workload um i think it's a matter of if he's fit and in form for his club then yeah we'll give you a chance to start but um if he's like anything but top form i think that bruce arena kind of prefers him in that super sub role going forward that's just my opinion on the matter yeah i mean it was a rhetorical question so i i didn't really need you to you know, it was, it was... <laughs> Nothing's kind of faded out there on your, on your grump. <laughs> <laughs> so what else do you guys want to talk about? So Ryan, of course, as you mentioned, is out in California in the San Diego area. So, of course, Ryan, we have to ask you, what is going on? What is the latest with the San Diego MLS bid? Well, I think that the... Everything is stuck here in San Diego centered around uh, a potential new stadium. Um, they are trying to put together some kind of facility that can act as both a San Diego State football stadium and a soccer, an MLS quality soccer stadium that would be in the, you know, 25 to 35,000 range, nothing huge. Um, you know, one of these similar to, to some of the other MLS stadiums around the, around the country. I don't think they want to do anything massive. Um, and as some of you who follow football, the other, the American football, uh, no, uh, building stadiums out here in Southern California is very difficult. And, uh, we happen to lose a football team as a result of that. Uh, though, 
I blame that fully on the owner of the football team. We can get into that another time, but uh, don't get me started on it. Uh, but <laughs> I think um, so. I think that that's really where it's where it's centered. I think right now uh, a lot of people have a lot of proposals on how to do it. Um, this is a soccer mad community, so I think that it would be a great fit. Um, especially now that the football team is gone, you've got an opening there for, for a professional sports, you know, franchise to fill. And, uh, I, I think it's something that could certainly happen. Um, but right now it's, it's, uh, it's sort of in the stage where people don't really know where this team would play. Um, and they've got to figure out a way to, to, to create a facility worthy of, of the MLS, I think. Well, at, with that, we will wrap things up. Ryan, thank you so much for joining us. Where of course, had a blast. Where can our listeners find you on the remote parts of the interwebs? Go to thebiglead.com and you will see my work there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rumors and Rants. Aaron, what about you, sweet baby? That's a pretty cool handle. Rumors and name? Rants. It was the name of my old website that I ran that Kevin used to write for. So that's pretty cool. It's not as I mean, like my name's Aaron, so like I use you know my name and my Twitter. It's like a Gunyan. It's boring as shit, and it's I don't know if I have more than five hundred followers yet, but one day, one day I'm hoping we'll have a big celebration when I break five hundred followers. <laughs> and uh, so you can follow me on Twitter. I'm not selling it very well. I'm hilarious on twitter you guys should follow me at a gunion kevin this was a great podcast thanks for doing this uh you've you've really knocked out of the park tonight if people want to find you follow you where can they pick up some of your stuff you can find me at kj boxing on twitter and you can also follow sock takes of course at sock takes this is and if you like this content well let me jump in and do a plug and and if you like this content and you want to see or hear more of this content others like it you can visit our Patreon page, head to patreon.com and then search or forward slash for sock takes subscribers get different benefits here and there for different levels of patronage. And we really appreciate that. And everybody out there uh, knows how difficult it is to get content out there and get it created on the interweb and get it out there for everybody. So if you like Kevin, if you like Ryan, we'll have him back. And if you like sock takes, please visit our Patreon page. And even if you don't like us, but you like our content, then still go to our Patreon. <laughs> if, <Yeah. laughs> if you like us, you definitely don't like Napoon. He's not here. So just whatever. Hey, Ryan, thank you very much for joining us tonight. I had a blast. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I had a great time. And this has been episode 27 of the Sock Takes Pod. Until next time. <laughs>